Hi guys, welcome back to the Movie Fandom Podcast. My name is Sophie Maddox, and today we are doing an episode that I actually find super fascinating, and that is the fact that a lot of readers consider Six of Crows to be a fantasy romance book. Take that as you will. So basically, I just wanted today to contradict that because I do not agree with that statement. I do not think Six of Crows should be classified as romance. We're going to get into why. Now, before these this episode starts, I just want to say that obviously people are entitled to their own opinion. If you consider Six of Crows romance, it's no problem. This is an opinion piece. And I usually don't really give a warning about this because obviously if you're following this podcast, you want to hear my opinion. But, you know, sometimes it's just important to give a little disclaimer that if you are somebody who considers Six of Crows a romance book, nice. I'm also going to be talking about Shadow and Bone a little bit in this and comparing it to that because... I do think Shadow and Bone is a romance, and I'm going to explain why Six of Crows isn't and why Shadow and Bone is. Let's just get straight into it. Okay, so Six of Crows, let's start off with that. Now, obviously, there is a lot of romance in Six of Crows, and I feel like it's romance, but it's very... It's not light romance. Obviously, the ships and relationships between, like, romantic relationships in Six of Crows are obviously very serious, and they have a lot of different factors that are involved and different characteristics, if if you want to say. So I think there's definitely a lot of romance in Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, obviously. I actually think... There's more romance in Six of Crows than Crooked Kingdom. But it's honestly kind of the same, I would say. I feel like in Six of Crows, there are more direct romance scenes versus in Crooked Kingdom. It's a few lines here and there that could be associated with romance. Now, the main thing in Six of Crows when it comes to romance is it's mostly just flirting. Like, it's nothing really more than that, but it is, a lot of people do say it's weird that Lee Bardugo paired, like, there's six of them, so all of them have to pair together, but at the same time, you can kind of see how it all plays out. Obviously, we have Nina and Matthias, the whole, I like to call it enemies to lovers, but I really don't think it's enemies to lovers. I just think it's forbidden romance, even more than enemies to lovers, and because it's forbidden, they... Are enemies, but it's also enemies to lovers. I also consider Six of Crows to have enemies to lovers, but Nina and Matthias knew each other before the whole Six of Crows thing, and it wasn't like they were just randomly introduced. It's like Nina agreed to the heist if Kaz was to get Matthias out of Hellgate. That was the whole reason Matthias uh, Nina joined the heist, and she joined it because she wanted Matthias out, because she promised him that she is going to get him out, and she he obviously did not believe her, coming from where the whole enemies thing comes from. They have, like, enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers to nothing. But it's... I find their relationship super interesting, um, but I think they're the main focus of quote-unquote romance in Six of Crows specifically. Obviously, there's Jesper and Wyland, but... Jesper and Wyland's relationship I'm going to get to in a second, and obviously there is Kaz and Inej, 
But Kaz and Inej, obviously their relationship is founded on the fact that they literally work side by side daily. It's it's honestly that. And one thing that I do love that people say is Lee Bardugo did not use their trauma to propel their relationship. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, we relate because we both have trauma. I love the fact that Lee, they, they don't like each other because they both have trauma. And that's what I like about their relationship a lot. And obviously, Kanej is like my favorite ship ever. They're not my OTP because you guys know what my OTP is. I'm not even going to say it. But Kanej is definitely one of my favorite ships. And it's because for them to be the main couple or the main... They're not really a couple because they never actually get together. AKA the reason for my sadness. But basically, I actually like the fact that it gets together. <laughs> Um, basically, their ship, because we ship them together, and obviously they have immense feelings for each other, but basically, I feel like it's really interesting to see that in a YA fantasy, the main ship, the most popular ship in the entire Grishaverse, which consists of over, I think, seven books, I think? No, no, no. There's nine. Wait, there's three? I'm not gonna... There's seven. There's seven. So, basically... For the most popular ship in the out of seven whole books, three different series, for the most popular ship in YA to be a ship that literally can't even touch. I love, like, just the way that sounds. It's just so perfect on paper and it's perfect in the book because when you hear YA fantasy romance, you don't think of a, first of all, a biracial couple or ship. You don't think of a biracial ship who also needs to have sort of the grounds of the relationship defined not by their physical relationship, but purely emotional relationship. And that's why I really love it so much because Lee Bardugo can't use their physical relationship to, to propel their emotional relationship and the way they feel about each other because they obviously cannot touch. I think they touch like four times in the whole series and I counted. But literally it's like... I think that's just super interesting, the contrast of that, because you never think YA, and you never think, okay, well, the two main love interests literally can't even touch you. You never think that. When you hear YA fantasy romance, that's not what you expect. So that's why I also love Kanej. And when it comes to Wesper, <laughs> when it comes to Wesper, I think Jesper obviously, and when I say this, please take it lightly, Jesper obviously had feelings for Kaz, Maybe not in a romantic way, but he definitely wanted Kaz to pay attention to him more. And he was always kind of jealous that Inej was Kaz's favorite, if that makes sense. So, like, he did kind of... He did want more from his relationship with Kaz. Doesn't necessarily mean romance, but he definitely wanted, you know, more from Kaz. Whether it was a bigger friendship, you know, to, like... He just wanted more from Kaz, and that's where Wyland comes in the picture. Jesper was kind of, not heartbroken, but he was kind of jealous of Inej. And he's still best friends with Inej, but you can always be jealous of your best friend. He was obviously not disappointed, I want to say. Not disappointed, but he was, okay, stunned over the, f not, I can't get that words out. Oh my god. He was obviously, okay, he was obviously hurt by the fact that, you know, Kaz wasn't, you know, giving off the vibe Jesper was 
trying to and it doesn't necessarily mean in a romantic way or like that Jesper was kind of crushing on Kaz because everybody crushes on Kaz but Jesper specifically I feel like he just wanted more from Kaz in a way that we don't necessarily need like anyway so basically when he met Wylan he was like looking for somebody else to want I guess you could say and like because he knew he could not have Kaz he kind of turned to the new guy in town, which is uh, Wyland. I was about to say Jesper, but we're talking about Jesper for Wyland. And I definitely um, think, like, I feel like, Je like Jesper gets angry with Kaz about, like, not telling him, like, vital information to the plot. And Jesper really wants Kaz to trust him. He wants Kaz to feel, like, safe with... Well, Kaz doesn't feel safe with anybody, if you know what I'm saying. But, like, he wants Kaz to trust him with the whole plan and all of that stuff. But he also thinks he doesn't deserve that trust and stuff. And Kaz also, like, he does say that he will never be able to trust Jesper again. And they do often argue so, like, it's kind of that whole thing. So, Jesper was really kind of look for, looking to, to, he was kind of looking for someone to try to, like, when Wylan came along. So, obviously, he tried to kind of get with Wylan, and Wylan also was kind of alone his whole life, and if Jesper was kind of sending some, like, some signals, Wylan was also just doing it back, and they kind of, since they had to work together a lot, they kind of just developed feelings for each other, as something would naturally be. I think a lot of people criticize the fact that all of them are together, but when you have six 17-year-olds, because most of them are 17, 16, 17, when you have six 17-year-olds who have to work in deathly situations on a daily basis and you're literally depending on them for tons of money and you're also depending on them for your very life, you're obviously going to develop feelings for them, maybe not even romantic feelings, but you're obviously going to deeply care about them and you're honestly going to hope that they deeply care about you because honestly, your life is in their hands and your money and your fortune is in their hands. Money, money, very important. So basically, I think Jasper was just kind of looking for somebody, which is what he found in Wyland, which just saying that out loud is so adorable. But both of them were kind of looking for somebody. Nina and Matthias have their whole thing before Six of Crows and backstories that literally make sense. And then, of course, we have Kaz and Inej, which we don't even need to explain. Now, after that, ten minutes of me explaining the ships, that sounds like there's a lot of romance, obviously, in Six of Crows. But here's why I say it is not romance at all. So the main reason I say it's not romance is the plot is not propelled by romance. The plot is not focused on romance. The plot is purely based on the heist and the money. There are scenes of romance. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of scenes of romance. But just because there's a lot of scenes of romance, the plot itself is not romance. If you look at a romance book like, for example, me thinking of a romance book because I need to think of one. I'm just going to throw Twilight in here because I can't say any other romance book because... You know why. Okay, this podcast is not... We're not about to go talk about other romance books, but let me just use Twilight as an example. In Twilight, the plot is based on Bella and Edward and their kind of whole thing. Oh, by the way, I had to pause the episode to think of a romance book that is appropriate for this podcast. But anyway, 
Bella and Edward's relationship is the main focus, and Bella choosing over Jacob and Edward is the main focus, and vampires take the back seat. But the vampires still have a plot, and that's what takes the back seat. That's why I'm saying it is a fantasy romance, because there's still plot that involves the vampire, and it tangles with the romance. But the main thing, the reason the vampires come in is because of the romance. Now, Another good book that is good with this example is Legend by Marie Lu. The book focuses on the relationship between Day and June more than the actual plot. Yes, it has a bunch of plot. It has a great dystopian stuff, but it mainly focuses on the main character's relationship. So that's another book I consider a dystopian romance. Now, Six of Crows, I purely consider fantasy... It's just, it's just a fantasy book. And the reason I say this, because you're probably thinking, well, no, but the romance takes the backseat to the fantasy and the action and the adventure of it. But the reason I say no is because in Twilight, the romance has an effect on the story. If Edward chooses Jacob, all of a sudden, we're going to have to learn about werewolves and all their history. But if Bella chooses Edward, then she's then we're going to have to learn about vampires and we're going to have to follow the vampire plot. It's like a fork and you have to choose which part of the fork you're taking. Does that make sense cuz I know it didn't. It's like taking a turn. If you turn left, you're going to see mountains. If you turn right, you're going to see the sea. And we're going to follow a whole plot line with the sea or if you turn left, we're going to follow a whole plot line with the mountains. That did not make sense at all either. I'm bad at metaphors or whatever you want to call it. But the point is in the stories like Twilight, the romance will have a major effect on the plot. Whereas in Six of Crows, if Kaz said to... Actually, I don't want to use Kaz in the edge because I could start crying. But if, if, for example, Jasper and Wyland did not get together and, you know, weren't a ship and they didn't really like each other that much, that would not have a major effect on the story. If Kaz and Inej were just co-workers, okay, that breaks my heart to say, but if Kaz and Inej were just co-workers and they didn't have feelings for each other separately, internally, because they really never even shared their feelings for each other, kind of, kind of, you guys know, but basically, if the characters weren't together, it wouldn't really have a huge effect on the plot. Maybe Nina and Matthias slightly, but otherwise... If the ships weren't together, it wouldn't have an effect on the plot. Whereas if Bella wasn't with Edward, y'all would have no Twilight because there wouldn't be no vampire, there would be no Victoria, there would be no war. You get what I'm saying, right? Hopefully you get what I'm saying. But basically, Six of Crows is not romance because the romance has no effect to the plot, whatever. It really doesn't. It adds a really nice element. Obviously, I love the romance in Six of Crows, do not get me wrong. But... It is not detrimental and necessary to the plot. And that is why I say Six of Crows is not a fantasy romance, however, but it is a fantasy book. Now into Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone is a little bit of a different story because I could call Shadow and Bone a fantasy romance. And one thing you're going to notice here is if there's kind of a love triangle, then it's definitely a fantasy romance. But, for example, The Hunger Games I would not consider a dystopian romance because obviously Peta choosing Katniss or Gale has no effect on the story. Katniss is still going to lead the rebellion. She's still going to do whatever she does regardless of whether she's with Gale or Peta. That's why The Hunger Games isn't a dystopian romance. So not every love triangle book is a, ro is a 
fantasy romance or dystopian romance or just a romance. It honestly depends. Now, Shadow and Bone, I consider a fantasy romance because depending on if Alina picked the Darkling in Shadow and Bone or if Alina picked Nikolai in Stage and Storm or if Alina decided to stay with Mal, that would have major effects on the plot and Alina's life. If I'm going to compare this to The Hunger Games because I think that's a good example. If Alina were to take the Darkling side, all would be well, there would be no war, and the, and the Darkling would take over the world and use Alina as basically his own slave. But just because it's a bad thing, like if Alina actually continued to go on with the Darkling, that was what would happen. If Alina picked Nikolai and Siege and Storm and agreed to his proposals, plural, proposals, if, he if she agreed to his proposals, she would have become the Queen of Ravka, well, eventually the Queen of Ravka, and she would have been able to influence Ravka in that way and be like a Sun Queen, that kind of thing. If she had stayed with Mal and never had gotten involved in the whole thing to go to the fold at the beginning of Shadow and Bone, she would have just lived her life as a cartographer. So it honestly, this is coincidental, but it, the main thing is whether she picked the Darkling or not. And that's detrimental because her romance with the Darkling, even if it's short-lived, that ultimately it was what had the biggest effect on the plot. Her saying yes to the Darkling, like, yes, we can be together, we can keep doing what we're doing, that would have made sure that, obviously, the entire plot of Shadow and Bone would have been completely different, and the Darkling would have taken over the world, and maybe at the end, Alina could have thought, well, oh boy, I just made the wrong decision. If I didn't stay with him, the world wouldn't be ending. But she decided to go against him, and we have the whole war storyline. You get what I'm saying by the fact that Alina saying no to the Darkling changed the entire series? Because if he, she had said yes, it would be the same. It would, Sorry, it would be completely different. Maybe she would have regretted her decision in the, at the end of the third book or whatever it might have been. But if she had stayed with the Darkling, it would have been a completely different story. That is why it's a fantasy romance, because the romance is absolutely essential to the plot. Because without the Darkling, there is no kind of... And the relationship between Alina and the Darkling, the way it ended is how it can is obviously how the series goes. It ended at the end of Shadow and Bone. The Darkling still wanted to kind of get her back, kind of. But if Alina had stayed with the Darkling, the plot would have been completely different. So if Alina had continued her romance with the Darkling, it would have been different. That is why it is a fantasy romance. Now that I'm done saying that, end of story. Six of Crows is not a romance, but Shadow and Bone is. And I define a romance book by... Specifically, if it's a mix of two things, if it's just a simple romance plot, then there's no question, but if there is a fantasy mixed with romance storyline, it has to depend. Like, for example, The Cruel Prince, that is a fantasy romance because, I'm not going to spoil anything because this has nothing to do with The Cruel Prince and a lot of people haven't read it, but if you have read it, you would know that if certain things didn't happen, the plot would be completely different, and that's why the romance is necessary to the story. So... It really depends if the romance is going to change anything in the story. That's the main thing to me. If the romance is going to have a major effect on the plot, that is what's the most important. Anyway, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time on the Movie Slash Book Fandom Podcast. I'm recording this on Wednesday the 2nd, but I'm planning to publish it on the 3rd, and then on the 4th you will get my The Batman Review. I usually, this could be bonus content though, so don't bank on it. If so, hopefully I enjoyed Batman talking to my past self or future self. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, thank you for listening and I will see you next time on the Movie Slash Book Fandom Podcast. Make sure to follow me on all my social media at Sophia Maddox. 
And, yeah, request episodes. Go check out our YouTube channel. We have all the stuff. You guys know the drill. And I will see you next time on the Movie Slash Book Fandom Podcast.